Welcome to the Femtech Health Podcast. Today, we're joined by Amy Deverania, the CEO and founder of UVA. Amy and her company are on a mission to revolutionize women's hormonal health and fertility. In this episode, we'll explore Amy's personal journey that led her to start UVA and the challenges she faced in the healthcare system. We'll also dive into the innovative platform she has created, which provides personalized analytics and real-time data for women to take control of their hormonal health. You'll discover the importance of accurate hormone tracking, the impact of irregular cycles, and how UVA's technology is changing the game for women's health. Get ready to learn how UVA is empowering women to be their own advocates and make informed decisions about their fertility and hormonal health. Use code UVAFEMTECH10 for a 10% discount at uva.lifefemtechhealth. All right, let's get started with today's show. I'm here today with Amy Devarania, the CEO and founder of OVA. Amy and her company are out to change the way a woman looks, feels, and controls her hormonal health and her fertility. One in six women have infertility. Think about it. Now you can have your own personalized analytics that can be synced and shared in real time with your provider. A woman can now be in charge of her hormonal health and how this affects her life. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Tell us how you got started on this journey. Thanks so much for having me here today. Yeah, my journey is pretty interesting because I never really thought I would be here. I didn't have this like itch that needed to be scratched of being my own boss or running my own company. I often joke that like I used to say no one should trust me with their money because like I just don't want to be responsible for it. But the reason that I ended up starting UFA is because when I was finishing up my PhD, I, my husband and I unfortunately dealt with a pretty devastating infertility journey. It really opened up my eyes to how broken the healthcare system is and just how little information women are given about their bodies. And I wanted to change that. I felt like if women had the right data, the right context, they could truly be their own advocates. And that's what I set out to do. So luckily... Around the same time of me having this idea, I also conceived my son. And so I have a beautiful five-year-old today and my story had a super happy ending, but I want to try to support women to have as many happy endings as possible, whether that's with the child or not. To me, success is a woman walking away from our platform, being more informed about her body so she can make the right choices. I love that. So tell us a little bit about your platform and what it's actually designed to do and all the you know, kind of steps that you took to sort of get to this idea of how to have this personalized analytics, real time with provider, you know, at home ability to take care of themselves. Sure. Let me start with the second half of that question. Then I'll go into uh, how how we work with providers and everything. Um, so the reason that UVA is the way it is today is because what I realized during my infertility journey is that everything is designed for the 13% of women who have a 28-day cycle. For the majority and the rest of us that don't, there really aren't any solutions out there. So I've always had irregular cycles my entire life, and I was using the same sticks that everyone can pee on, and I learned very quickly that there's a fine print on all those products that say if you have an irregular cycle, PCOS, or any hormonal imbalance, our results won't be reliable for you. I was like, well, great. So I'm basically left with two options. Either I have chance or I spend $30,000 and go through IVF. And I wasn't ready to do that option yet. 
so I was literally sitting with my dad's magnifying glass every morning looking for ghost lines on my ovulation sticks and my pregnancy tests. And I could not believe that was real life. Like we had to have something more innovative. So it was actually like my breaking point at that moment where I had another negative pregnancy test and I was crying on my bathroom floor. And I was like, this literally cannot be where technology has taken women's health. And so that day I went to work and I wrote five things on the whiteboard. I wanted to build something that was personalized. So no more of this threshold-based test. I wanted to, to design something for a woman who was irregular. I wanted the test to be non-invasive. So no finger pricking, no blood draws. Let's utilize a fluid that is readily available to us, like our urine. Um, I wanted the test results to be in real time. So no mailing of samples. Just all done in the privacy of your own home. I also wanted the test to be quantitative. So we're not getting a smiley face. I really wanted to retire that blinking smiley face that I never saw in my journey. I wanted to give a woman a number. And the last thing is I wanted results that a clinician would trust. So if a woman used this test and got this data and she walked into her doctor's office, they didn't just dismiss it. They looked at it and were like, okay, I see you've been monitoring your hormones for X months. This is what we're going to do next. And that's really what the foundation of our product is. So we are an at-home test that measures LH, progesterone, and estrogen quantitatively through yarn in the privacy of your home. You pee on our stick, you then scan it with your phone, and within seconds, you get your results in our app. And if you're working with a doctor, we also seamlessly share that data with your provider if you're working with And you control all that data, so everything's HIPAA compliant, and the patient really runs that journey. That's amazing that you could utilize it in that way and that people could actually be in charge of it from home. So the next part of our question was basically, you know, what what happens? How is the test used exactly? What do they get? You know, what comes to their home and how does it work? Sure. So the kit comes with a handle, a holder and 30 cartridges, 15 tests that measure estrogen and 15 that measure both luteinizing hormone and progesterone. So it also works alongside an app, as I mentioned earlier. The app will navigate you through which test to measure, use on what day. And I know with the podcast, so people can't see it, I'll describe it. But for you, this is what it looks like. Every one of our cartridges has a QR code on it. And so when you scan the cartridge with your phone, we know exactly which hormone you're testing. We also are able to understand exactly what the levels are. And that's what you see in, in your app. We monitor that across 50 to 20 days, depending on how you use the, the cartridges. And then we basically give you what your hormone trend is and really personalize it for you. That's incredible. I mean, I know right now some of our, our link is kind of a little bit sporadic. So sorry if there's a little stall in, <laughs> in there. It's <laughs> um, all good. So, so Amy, so how are... Yeah. How are you going about, like, you know, are you going to companies to do it? Are you going to the public to do it? Are you going to healthcare plans to help, you know, different community? How how are you marketing and how are you moving forward with this? So it's been a lot of word of mouth, to be honest. And the way that that happened is I thought when I started the company, it was going to be all direct to consumer. And then in five years, I'll have enough data to present to a clinic and be like, all right, you can find value in our product. Well, then this thing happened in March of 2020 called COVID and everything shut down, including fertility practices. And so you had all these families that have been waiting months to years to getting moving forward with their family building journey, being told, sorry, everything is 
delayed indefinitely. What probably one of the most heartbreaking things to hear when you finally pull the trigger and it's like, okay, now I still have to wait. So we actually had clinicians reaching out to us to utilize our tests to do remote monitoring because they needed a way to continue to monitor their patients while their doors were closed. And so my business plan kind of got flipped on its head and I ended up launching with uh, clinicians first. So we started this B2B model where clinicians actually use UVA alongside their treatment protocols to monitor their patients. And then several, a year later, we launched direct-to-consumer. So we are available in both ways. Um, it's really however you choose to use our platform. So what what are you looking at right now? Do you feel like there's been, you know, more success in that B2B model or direct-to-consumer? Or where do you feel... I mean, I just know in my own practice all the time, I have women, you know, who are asking me, hey, I want a way to monitor my hormones, whether they're, you know, like at the fertility stage and reproductive years or even afterwards. So it's to me, this is such an amazing way for people to be able to look at their own health. It's I, I mean, you know, no, no doctors, if this is direct to consumer, it's a it's a beautiful tool to use so that people sort of start to understand themselves. That's exactly it. Like, we're not trying to excise the doctor or the clinician from the equation. What we're trying to do is give women the data so they can have a two-way conversation with their doctor. It's very different. We're trying to kind of handle the education barrier that women have because we're just not taught this information, right? No, like, I do so many consults with our patients. And when you ask, do you know why you have a period? They don't know the answer to that. And it's such a core to our bodies, right? That we don't understand. And it's not their fault. We're just not taught it. So to answer your question, we're actually seeing traction on both sides. So yes, direct-to-consumer, great. And what's really interesting to me is like, yes, we started as a fertility company, but we just launched our perimenopause product. And like, I was floored with the uptick that we saw with that. Like we sold out of our inventory in less than two weeks once we launched perimenopause. And it just showed how hungry women are for this data. They are smart enough to handle it. They just haven't been given that credit yet. They are, and and they actually want to handle it and they want to actually feel that they're empowered to understand it. And just like you said, I don't think we're taught at a young age, hey, what is all this and how our hormones even work? And so sharing and teaching and educating. So as part of your platform, encompass all of that as well so people can you know learn and grow in all of that as they move forward that's exactly it so yes we show you your hormone data but i'm really cognizant to not inundate a woman with data it has to be put into context or if you can't answer the what now question we're doing something wrong so we always try to address like so what what do i do with this information so yes, we show you the hormone data. We put it into context for you. If you're part of our membership, then we have uh, monthly events with our team to, that are educational. We have seminars with some of the providers that are in our network that are doing educational uh, talks. We also offer consults with some of our clinicians and our staff to help understand what your hormones mean and if you have any specific questions. So we're really there to be your support system through your journey and not just sell you a product and then walk away. There's a reason that our retention is so good. I mean, our price point isn't $10 a month. It's it's substantial. And yet we have people that are on our platform for well over six months right now, just because they're feeling the support that 
who was able to provide. So I know, you know, when you look at infertility issues and, you know, IVF pops up and it's interesting because, you know, IVF is kind of more limited to people who have, you know, a higher economic level, you know, in their life. And so I feel like this is a great opportunity for people who maybe, you know, don't want to have to look at IVF yet or maybe feel like, oh, I could never even, you know, afford IVF that maybe this is a way to sort of help them get in charge of that. How do you feel about that? Because I feel like so many people don't even have the option if they have or or maybe don't even know if they have infertility issues, but they need to have more opportunity. And this, to me, seems like it answers so much of that opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, we're very accessible and it's unfortunate that IVF is so expensive. But I mean, if you look at what is involved in an IVF cycle, it does somewhat make sense. It's not just a regular OBGYN checkup visit, right? There's a lot more going on here. But what we're trying to do is really bridge that gap between, hey, I want to get pregnant and I'm going to try to, holy cow, it's been six months and I haven't gone pregnant yet. What do I do? Do I need to consider IVF? We're that perfect solution in the middle to at least give you the data. Because if you're cycling, you'll know that. You'll be able to time intercourse. And now if things are not happening after several months of using us, now you really need to seriously think about plan B. But you don't have to jump to plan B if you don't get pregnant after three months of using the -the over-the-counter tests. Well, and so many women really want to know too, you know, where are my hormones even at? And maybe they don't have enough progesterone on board. Maybe there isn't enough, you know, luteinizing hormone that's even happening. And for them to even maybe have a little bit more progesterone you know, earlier on so that, you know, they get that stickiness that happens so that they can actually implant. That's a huge component. And if they don't know it, you know, I have a lot of women I take care of that, you know, once they finally, you know, start doing a lot of the hormone testing, you know, years later realize, man, I never even had enough progesterone on board. You know, this wasn't (laughs) even happening. So no wonder I wasn't able, you know what I mean, to get pregnant. And then there's so much confusion, I think, too, that once they are giving, given maybe like an oral progesterone or something, well, how much should they be taking? And it's like the guidance maybe and this integration seems so much better because if they have real-time data to share with their provider, their provider then can feel secure too to say, oh, well, you need more of X, Y, and Z. Exactly. And we've seen that in practice so much. I mean, we know that if your progesterone is unstable after ovulation, like even if you do conceive that that embryo will most likely not come to term. It won't implant properly. We've been able to resolve that so much by just noticing this pattern of like your progesterone fluctuates a lot. We call it the progesterone, progesterone zigzag. And they know to start taking progesterone supplementation if needed. And it's, it's great because now women are able to go into their doctor's office and ask really specific questions, not just walk in going, I don't know why I can't get pregnant. It's true. You know, we were doing a lot of looking at, you know, just even ovulation, like cycle time. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. that you were saying like you weren't in the traditional 28 days. So what, you know, what are you seeing like with some of your data sets? I know they said you've been collecting over 10,000 data sets. Like how long actually is the window of ovulation time where someone could get pregnant? You know, this is sort of an interesting conversation that you have a lot in our women's clinics. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's amazing because we're constantly being 
like kind of shamed into the the norm, whatever the norm is, right? And I guess like arbitrarily the norm is a 20-day cycle. So one of our goals at UVA is how do we myth bust some of these assumptions that we have about women's health? And one of the big ones is that 20-day cycle. So we think that's normal. We saw in our data set of over 10,000 plus cycles that only 5.23% of women actually had a 28-day cycle. Okay. And even then, it varied month to month. And now, like, you might think, okay, well, it might not be 28, it might be 29, it might be 30. Like, how much of an impact does that actually make? Well, it makes a big difference when you have that other assumption that you ovulate at that 50% mark, right? And what we're seeing in our data is that that's very dependent on your age. Because as you get older, your follicular phase is actually getting longer and your luteal phase is getting shorter. So if you keep thinking, oh, I have a 30-day cycle, so I ovulate on cycle day 15, that's actually not correct because you could be ovulating later or even earlier because you're still talking averages. You could, it's not, it might not be at that 50% point. So it's so important to really understand your hormone levels and figure out when you're truly seeing the fluctuations to make the right choices. Is it something that you kind of find like, you know, as a woman, like how many months would she collect data to, you know, to, to kind of help her get a nice, you know, how long should she be on this and how many months should she collect the data so she kind of gets a rhythm? Yeah. So we're accurate from cycle one because we don't have a threshold. So we capture what her baseline levels are and then we wait for her hormones to fluctuate by a certain differential to her baseline every day. And so we can navigate like, okay, you're, getting into your fertile window, you're you ovulated, now you're in post-ovulation. Like we can detect that all from cycle one. However, and does that more, does that come to her phone too? Yeah. Oh, it's all it's all in real time. Yeah. Oh my it's all the app. So she's wow. scanning the test. We know exactly what her levels are at that moment. We know our historical data and we could tell her exactly are you in low high peak ovulation, post-ovulation, fertile window. We can we can tell her all of that right there in the moment. Yeah, it's it's just more power, right? Now you know what to do. You're not just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm ovulating or not. We have that data to actually navigate you through it. I'm sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. This is so, well, this is okay. This is very specific then for each woman. And that's why it is so personalized. That's why it's so powerful, I think. Because before we're just kind of always guessing, oh, even people who have 28-day cycles are still, could be off. Do you know what I mean? In yeah. all of that. So just having that data. So like, you know, if it comes on your phone like that, what are the days that she's actually doing the testing? I mean, is it every day of the month? Is it only 15 days? How does it work? It depends on what health goal she's selected. So if she's trying to conceive, then it's about 20 days. And these are like our guidance, right? If you're working with a provider, they may change what days you want to test. And, um, or you may have a specific goal that you're going towards. You might only care about the second half. So you're only going to test after ovulation. Women use it in all different ways, but let's go with our recommended like protocol here. Um, if you're trying to conceive, you'll probably scan for about 20 days, 15 days of estrogen. Well, let's say that better. Five days of just estrogen, 10 days of both strips, LH, progesterone, and LH. And then five days of just the LH and progesterone strips. So you'll get 20 days of data. If you're uh, trying to understand if you're in perimenopause or not, it'll be 15 days of data. So we get both hormones 
or all three hormones every day for 15 consecutive days. But the kicker for uva is that we want you to test every day and not sporadically because the value of our data set is seeing your hormone trend. If you do it sporadically, it's really hard to draw a line between. So we really want to see what the daily levels are. So say a woman, a woman goes on your, her ear platform, you know, she's tried to conceive a couple times, maybe lost a baby, et cetera. So she gets your product. She says, okay, when do I know when to start doing, you know, like, does she start, you know, before she thinks, she, you know, mid-cycle, where does she start? So she's trying to conceive. Now, we added a few variables in there that she might have lost a baby recently. So we don't know if her cycle is back yet. So yes. at that, for that, she can start testing anytime. And we can probably pinpoint like, okay, you aren't cycling yet. Hormones are still at their baseline. Like things haven't kind of kicked off yet. If she is cycling already, it might still be irregular. So we would recommend that she start testing after her first like full period, or if she's really eager after some spotting. So we see that there's like, you're starting with kind of a clean slate. Uh, but we're not robots. So there's no like definitive answer here. It's really whatever um, works for her and what her actual question is. I see. Yeah. So, so if it's after her first period, like her period's done and then she starts right after the period's done or where does she start in it? So our, there's a lot of AI embedded in our platform that navigates a woman girl because it's it's so dependent on that woman. Like, does she have a reproductive disorder? What is her estimated cycle length? What's her age? Um, and then we will navigate her depending on, once we get all these factors in, on which days to test. So some women, if they have a really short cycle, it might be the day after her period stops. For others, it might be several days after her period stops. It really depends. But there's, again, we're not robust. So there's a lot of variability that we see between users and we try to help navigate them through it. I, I like that because then that helps women realize like, hey, maybe one month it's going to be this way, maybe another month it's that way so that they can kind of get the rhythm back for themselves. Because I know, you know, that's a huge frustration when some of my own clients lose a baby, you know, then they're trying to figure out, okay, you know, do I wait a couple months? Do I, you know, my period did come back the next month. Okay, now do I start testing? You know, they're already using a lot of these stick testing that they're getting at the store and the market yeah. anyway. And so they're spending a lot of money doing all of that. And so they get frustrated as well. And I think that's why I'm so fascinated, you know, with your product and with the way you have support and, and the way that it happens in such real-time information. Because you know, sometimes even, you know, physicians offices are so busy that trying to get somebody in to figure out, oh, well, where are they at and how to do it and how to get the response pattern. So I like it that you're offering consoles and that you're offering information that helps people know, because if they can't get into the physician, they get fr super frustrated and they're, you know, saying to me, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, do I start exactly. this? Do I start that? So this feels like such a more comprehensive way to at least have information and have direction. They're already buying all these over-the-counter products anyway, but they don't yeah. know exactly what to do with them. And they're spending a lot of money and time and effort trying to navigate them, figure and it figure out. Them out. And that's why when I started reading about your company, I was so fascinated, honestly, because you know I, I see this so much and it just, it's super frustrating that women kind of don't have as much control. And that's kind of why I feel like 
you know, what you're after and what you're doing just fascinates me because I feel like it really would drive people to be like, no, I really want to know. And so I can be, you know, if there is issues, you know, if you look at infertility, you know, you, they say, you know, a third of it's women, a third of it's a man, and a third of it is actually the combination or other things, right? And so we're, we know a lot of times men are left out of the picture, of course, because women think it's all their responsibility that they should be the one to make it all happen and get pregnant. And this at least gives us the opportunity to you know, look, a woman is actually, look, cycling while she's doing well. And and now maybe exactly. we need to figure out, you know, is there something going on with their spouse or their, you know, are there other things um, that you kind of mentioned before, you know, that maybe are disruptors, you know what I mean, in all of this. So I think it empowers them so quickly because if you're saying, you know, people are on average, you said six months on your product yeah. right now. I was going to say you touched on so many points here, like with the over-the-counters test, they're great for the third, like. The 95% or sorry, the 5% of women that do have the 28 day cycle. But they like what we say is like, when you use those tests and throw it away, throw your data away with it too. Like, what are you going to do with a blinking smiley face? There's only so much you can do with that. So there's no learnings that are happening. And then to, to like the value of this information, I mean, women get so in tune with their body as they're using our platform because when you trust something to monitor your hormones and guide you, you start paying attention to other things that you probably didn't allow yourself to previously. So I'll give you a quick example. A lot of our users are now able to detect, okay, when I ovulate from my left side, I have a 27-day cycle. And when I ovulate from my right, I have a 31-day cycle. And it's just like, I'm on a console. They're telling me this. I'm like, what? They're like, no, I always notice a periodic pain here every other month. And then I notice that I ovulate sooner on those months. And I was like, wow, like you're really paying attention to your body because you've taken away the stress associated with, am I ovulating or not? That one question causes so much disruption to a woman when she's trying to get pregnant. Absolutely. And think of it, we're born with all the eggs we'll ever have. So people yeah. do have that frustration because they think, oh, do I even have as much eggs or does one right. side not even work well? And what is it, all this stuff that I'm feeling? Yeah, I, I understand. And I think, you know, when you look at the monetary, I, I wonder if you've seen, looked at it, you know, people, all these other things over the counter, I bring up over the counter only because my people come in with all the right. stuff that they, oh yeah, I did this and I did that. And I, you know, and they're, it's not working well. Like, this is why I feel so passionate about this because it's not working well. And we really don't have data that means anything. So it's like, Think of it too, like, could they follow and track the fact that maybe they had stressors one month and then their cycle changed? Do you see issues like that yeah. happening? We do. There's so much. We're actually working on an abstract to submit, but we're evaluating various like symptoms that women are logging in our app and seeing how that correlates with hormone levels. We, and like I said, one of our tellers is how do we debunk the assumptions and myths around women's health. Everyone always says like, you can't get pregnant, just relax. Is there any truth to that? And we're starting to evaluate that because women are tracking their sleep quality, their their stress, their mood, their anxiety levels, all in our app. And we have the hormone data to kind of support are there irregularities that are happening. And because they're monitoring over so many months, we can see how things change as they continue to monitor. It's amazing working with this data set. I, I can't even imagine. 
So, you know, that being said, let me just have people understand. So like this is HIPAA compliant. This is your personalized data, correct? And it's protected data. Is that right? Yeah, it's all encrypted. It's all de-identified. I can't even really go in and be like, when we're doing our research part of it, I can't tell you that this data point is from this person. It's all de-identified. But for research purposes, we ensure that we can actually move the needle forward in women's health. Um, So yeah, it's never pinpointed to any single individual or even a single clinic. It's really just looking at like a blanket. This is a human that monitor for X number of cycles and what, what can we find? No, I appreciate you sharing that with us because I know so many people, you know, they get worried. Oh, you know, oh, I've shared all this information with somebody. What are they doing with it? Now they know something about it. Me, do you know what I mean? Oh, am I going to be compromised later over something, you know, because I've been tracked? I just want to make clear with people that they understand that's not what's happening because, you know, that, you know, prevents people sometimes from oh, utilizing absolutely. a product such as this because they don't have the underst- understanding of that. Yes, you're using these data sets, but it's not in any kind of way that pinpoints them specifically or looks at them, you know, in a way of like, oh, I know that name and number and, <laughs> and what insurance carrier they have or whatever. Yeah, no, yeah. we don't. Um, it's funny because when Roe was overturned, we got like, it happened on a Friday afternoon. And I remember that weekend, like so many women's health apps and platforms were releasing statements that we're working on ensuring your data is secure. And I was just like, how much data do you have that you've been collecting for decades at this point and you haven't ensured that the data was secure? We purposely did not put a message out during that, that period because I was like, our data has been secure from day one. We've ensured everything was HIPAA compliant from the moment we started the company. So there was no switching or anything we had to do. It was all set up to be encrypted from the beginning. I, I love that. And I, I think people don't even understand that some of the data that's been on some of these other things maybe was not secure and was not being utilized in the correct way. So I, I think what you're saying is really powerful. And I think that helps a lot of people say, hey, this is kind of a platform that I am comfortable with and that I feel safe on. And I know that they're going to kind of lead me in the right way and not, you know, take me in all kinds of other directions because of, you know, misaligned, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. To monetize something. It really, it really looks like to me that what you're doing is you really are trying to give the strength to a woman to be able to understand and know, and that she can kind of move forward as she wants. I mean, you kind of brought up even sleeping pattern. It's super interesting to me because so many of my women, after they're through their reproductive years, they're not sleeping while they're yep. moving towards perimenopause, menopause a standpoint. And you realize like, hey, their hormones are really cattywampus. And it's really a tough call for people to be able to be like, oh, I don't know what I should use. You know, I don't know what I'm yeah. doing. Having something like this for them, I feel like empowers them to know you know, I don't have enough progesterone on board. You know, yeah. I, my estrogen still, you know, even though it's coming down, my progesterone isn't where it should be. Maybe I am not sleeping well. I don't feel good. I'm waking up 10 times a night, you know, rolling over back and forth. But they're afraid to do, you know, oral proge- progesterone doesn't make them feel good. You know, maybe there's ways for them to understand how to utilize it in their cycle so they don't have to use it the whole site, you know, their exactly. whole cycling pattern. Yeah. And I think that's where the clinician comes in. 
right? Like we're not treating a patient. I'm not taking your job away from you. But when you have data, now you can navigate your patient through it. Otherwise, what are you going to do? Have them come in daily for blood work? No one's going to do that. Right. No one's going to do that. Absolutely not. (laughs) And no one even has time for it, right? Exactly. (laughs) So you kind of mentioned before that you had a pr- something that came out for like the perimenopause menopause mm-hmm. time frame was it, it it's usually utilizing the same type of you know sticks the whole nine yards or is it a different emphasis pattern i i, I might have miss, uh, missed that before sure so yes it's the same hormones we're measuring lh progesterone and estrogen but the digital experience is very different the way you interpret the data is very different so that's the beauty of our platform because we're a quantitative test we can pivot we can reinterpret the data for whatever use case we care about without having to develop like an entire new product, just the interpretation changes. So to help women navigate the perimenopause transition, we're looking for specific patterns in the hormone to guide them through what is going on. Because the the leading question we get is, am I in perimenopause? And we're actually able to start to uncover if that actually is what's happening. And I, I, it sounds like when you kind of rolled it out, there was a big, like, like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, we sold out of 15 weeks of inventory in less than two weeks. And it's, it was like so unexpected. And we're still kind of coming up for air from that situation. But even with messaging that like you're going to see some shipment delays, people are still purchasing, which is just, so like it's encouraging us that like people want this data. We are adding value to this community. And what is the community? Women. Like that is what my mission is. How do I empower a woman to take control of her health journey? Whatever that may be. So do you feel like uh, women have been dismissed going in about their health journey? I mean, uh, talk to me about that a little bit. Why do you feel so like that's so important to you? Well, the, the, there's two big drivers for me personally. So when I came out of college, I was a pre-med major in college. And so you can imagine my last semester, I was like living in the library, studying all the time. And I came out and I had gained a little bit of weight because I'd been garbage for a month. I had some acne because again, I'd been in the library for a month. And I hadn't had time to get my eyebrows done. And I'm Indian. So there was some dark facial hair on my face. And my mom... Also, obviously, we're Indian. Her number one concern is wanting to give me grandchildren, even though like I wasn't getting married anytime soon. But she's like, your cycle is so irregular. Let's go to an OB and get this checked out. And so I went there and the doctor took one look at me and was like, you have PCOS. And I was like, okay. I didn't know to ask any other questions. They put me on metformin on a birth control pill. And we're like, so you're done, right? You're you're appointment's over. They didn't do a single blood test on me. They didn't do a single ultrasound. They didn't check anything except look at me externally. And so I started taking the metformin and the birth control. And it really, I hit every side effect. I was, it became anemic because I was bleeding so heavily. They rotated my birth control pill multiple times. Nothing was working for me. The metformin made me so depressed. And like, I, to the point where I didn't even want to get out of bed. And that terrified my family because I'm such an energetic and happy person to see me not even have the energy to get out of bed was really troubling for everyone. Um, 
And so I kind of went about my life and then three years goes by. I've been taking all the meds. Um, I went to a new OB because it just didn't sit right that this doctor, even after three years of me complaining about side effects and things not feeling right, didn't change anything. I went to a new OB and in my intake, I said I had PCOS. And at that point, I had lost the excess weight I had gained. I, my acne had cleared up. And in the three years, I got my eyebrows done. So I looked like a, a woman, right? And she, she did the blood work. She's like, you don't have PCOS. Why are you taking all of this? And I was just floored. Like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know what to ask. I didn't know what to do. I just followed people that I like kind of blindly trusted. And that, that one experience, like my OB was fantastic. The new one that I got, but it just left me with this deep mistrust for the community, for the medical community when it came to my fertility specifically. So I was like, I can't be the only one that experienced this. There must be hundreds, if not thousands of women that are going through this. That can't be the standard of care. That's really what I wanted to change. I really appreciate you saying that because I think the model, the medical model, even though, you know, the OBGYNs have this interview process they call the respect process. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times when I look more at some of the Canadian models, you know, where they're looking at women's feelings, their expectations, their fears, you know, I think it's so much better if we have more conversations with women of like, you know, if someone like you came into the office of actually asking, you know, well, where are you at? Like, what's going on in your life? You know, what? Okay, yeah, yeah, maybe you have some acne or your body is, you know gain some weight, but look at what you were going through. Of course right. it did. And instead of talking to people, you know, yeah, maybe those are signs maybe or symptomology that point us sometimes in the directions of certain things like us stepping back and actually listening, you know, to our patients and actually having a conversation of, hey, what is your need? You know, long-term, I want to have fertility. You know, I want to have health. I mean, it would be way better to look at you like a full person instead of just saying, oh, well, here's all your signs and symptoms. And I think that's the biggest frustration. You know, we're, we're so hurried, you know, in this whole process that we don't stop and actually say, well, what is it you actually want and need? And if someone maybe would have said that to you at that point in time, it would have been way easier for you to not have three years of a whole lot of medication and a whole lot of other things. You know, if we just step back, I think it, the problem is, is that, you know, that right now, I, I hate to say it this way, but our medical system is broken in the way yeah. we have timeframes to see our patients. And unfortunately, our insurance carriers are driving these timeframes because the reimbursement rates are not good and we have to pay our physicians and our healthcare providers well. And so who gets lost in this is actually the people we want to take care of like you. Okay who we're not taking care of well because we're too hurried and we're not having enough information, enough data. I think that's why when I looked at all the work that you've done and then your passion and your, you know, the, the work of your company, it just feels like, okay, it's about time that we use, you know, technology, you know, resources, data sets and information to keep driving us so that we can all in the medical field partner with people that are doing brilliant work like you to actually do a better job of this because you know the, the desire of all medical professionals is actually to take care of the people and take care of them well they're, they're never wanting to trip this up 
But right. having the use of technology will help us so that we can actually do a way better job. So we can drive our patients to the things they need to do, you know, quicker and faster, and then not have to get bottlenecked of like, oh, my only solution for you is here's some medication. Like that is really not, <laughs> yeah, you know, and what we want to look at. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like the incentives are just so misaligned in the U.S. healthcare system between the payer, the doctor, and the patient. And until that alignment is there, we're never going to see true growth and innovation happen in the healthcare system. You would think like everything with COVID should have like kind of opened our eyes. It did, but it didn't come with a ton of solutions either. It just really uncovered how broken everything is. So I'm hoping that like with the adoption of technology like ours and some of the other innovation that's happening in this space, we are headed in the right direction. I have to believe that. Well, well, think of it like this. What I'd love to see is that you go to a carrier, like an insurance carrier, and literally say, hey, we see that in this region, you know, we have, you know, X amount of women, women in a region, and they actually need to be cared for better so that, you know, all this IVF doesn't have to happen. So why don't, or, you know, you know, misinformation told to a person. So carrier could actually say, hey, you know, especially when they're company driven, you know, so many carriers go to companies and say, hey, here's two options that you can have this insurance or that insurance, you know, a company gets to choose. But on that, you know, say they have a significant amount of women who work at this company. Why couldn't you have that insurance carrier say, oh, this is an extra thing that they can purchase for their population of women who work? Because think of how many women miss a days of work who don't feel well, whether they're perimenopausal or menopausal women. Some data just came out about that. That was crazy. And then, and then just even women, you know, who are in their reproductive years because, you know, they have all kinds of health issues going on with their menstrual cycles, et cetera, so that maybe data sets like yours can then actually change all this opportunity for women, not only for fertility, but for companies actually to have the opportunity for women to feel better in their workplace. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's insane, right? Like if my son has a cough, I, I'm taking him to the pediatrician. If my husband's not well, I'm making him a doctor's appointment and like shoving NyQuil down his throat. If I don't feel good, I deal with it. Until it gets to a point where I can no longer move and it's directly impacting me being functional. And again, I have to believe that there's at least 10 other women that are that way too. And I think that's such a surface, right? Like I just, I just know if I go to the doctor, they're just going to dismiss it. Like, oh, it's, it's the flu. It's you have a cold, like it's going to pass. Like I can do that at home. There's just so much dismissing of women's symptoms and what they're going through without getting that understanding. Um, one of our advisors is Dr. Steve Clasco, who used to be the former CEO of Jefferson Health. And he told me that what Jefferson has started doing is when they're accepting patients, or not patients, students in their med school, they're putting less and less emphasis on test scores and GPA and more so on empathy. Because if that person can't talk to the patient, they're never going to be a successful doctor in the way that Jefferson is prioritizing it. And I was like, that's amazing. And you're not saying that like, okay, you should be have failing grades and like, like super low MCAT scores, but it's not the 
decision maker anymore, which I think is awesome. Well, I know just even, you know, with my women who have endometriosis or PCOS, et cetera, that, you know, they may miss days of work or days of of school or, you know, high school or college yeah. or wherever they're at. And it would be such a better way for them to learn young, hey, this is what's going on. Oh, this is a time frame that's more difficult for you. So, you know, how do we help them have a higher quality of life? I think, you know, women make 80 to 90% of all the healthcare decisions for their family, and yet they're not even able to take care of their own healthcare exactly. in the way that we should, because we don't even have the access that we should. So, you know, in, in my mind, I have the vision of, you know, you go to Blue Cross of whatever your state is and you say, okay, here's the deal. You know, this is a tool in a way for our clinical providers who are OBGYNs to actually integrate and say, okay, well, we're going to connect this so that people actually have an opportunity starting at a younger age. Because think of it, I'm going to make a way healthier women's health population. Long term, this Blue Cross is going to have way less money they spend because now they've been in a preventative mindset and they're actually taking care of women. And it's not nebulous things. It's actually data sets that actually prove, like you said, so personalized that I... I just think, man, I, I, as an insurance carrier, I would just hop all over that insurance carrier. Sure, let's make it happen. <laughs> let's make it happen. I mean, it's like, I, I mean, and think of it too, like, I, you know, I happen to live in a very rural state. So, you know, women live all over. I stayed in the state of Idaho. I work in the state of Washington as well. We have definite rural areas. Women do not have access easily. They might not even have any OBGYNs in their community at all. They only see their family practice physician. It is not their family practice physician's fault that they don't know all of this or even understand all of that. That is not their specialty. So my vision is that this creates access uh, for women in in rural areas and areas that access is not present. And, And, you know, where maybe communication or like you know, religious beliefs or traditional beliefs, you know, people don't talk about all of this. So now we can open the doors for women in such a different way throughout our country so that they can literally have access no matter where they live and work and no matter whether they don't work or not. Do you know what I mean? And and they have the opportunity to have consults or they have the doors that can open you know, for them, even if they don't have traditional um, healthcare insurance, there's a lot of, you know, type of different types of healthcare now that we're shared insurance, et cetera. But it's way cheaper to me to take care of this woman preventatively than to wait, 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 wait. And then now we have a woman who literally, you know, we're talking about IVF or we're talking about all these other things where maybe we could have intervened, you know, five years before and we would be way ahead of the curve. So to me, I can't imagine why an insurance carrier is not going to be knocking down your door. Let's get the right one to knock on my door. I'll tell you my address, exactly what the path to the front door is. Like, let's do it. (laughs) Okay. I love it. I just, I mean, like I told you, I think, you know, as I started reading and working through all of your, your data, I was like, unbelievable. And I just... I'm super excited. I can't even tell you. I just think, you know, we we set out to change healthcare in the state of Washington and Eastern Washington, where I live and work. And, and you know, we're just on it because we're like, we can't leave this so that the next generations don't yeah. have better healthcare than we had. 
And we're just not going to stop until we do it. And I just think that you're in that neighborhood and you have that drive, you know, with your own personal experiences. I just see it in you, how passionate you are and that, you know, you just want to make a difference and make that change. And I think that's what we have to do as women. We have to band together to be like, no, we're not going to leave any stone unturned. We're not going to close any door. We're going to open as many doors as we can. We're going to look at every different thing. And I think when you have such hard data like you do, that changes everything. I mean, that that's, kind of hard data, it does. That's exactly it. Like why it's hard to argue with a number, right? Like when someone's, when you, someone says like you save a symptom, you get painted that paint scale. Like, okay, so on a scale of one to 10, what is it? My seven could be very different from your seven, but an LH surge that is on the lower side is very clear. A progesterone that is not staying elevated after ovulation is very clear. It's not something that you can put like a score to, right? So that's something that I think we really pride ourselves on, that we're trying to be precise and informative as much as possible. But I'm also a realist to an extent, right? Like we can't solve every problem in healthcare or in women's health specifically. But if I can deliver something that's here when the standard was here, the next company that comes has to do better than us. And now we're moving that needle forward. We're basically making that smiley face no longer a valid option anymore. And if I can make that a retired model, man, I, I, I'm so happy. I think it's going to happen. Everybody's <laughs> tired of just the smiley face. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> uh, okay, so what's, ne what's next for your company? What are you looking at? And oh, I, I wanted to ask you did, you, did you go to medical school or where did you end up specializing? What did you do? So I did my PhD in biomedical sciences, focusing on genetics and genomics, very unrelated to this. But it's, I've always had this like knack for computer science and I've loved medicine. So I found this really good intersection between being able to do computational work with medical data. So it's been the perfect solution for me. But yeah, I, I completed my PhD. And what's next for UVA? I mean, we were only six weeks in the launch of our perimenopause product, right? And I, it's funny because people think, oh, you were focusing on fertility. Now you're looking at this completely different, like, use case. And I'm like, it's really not because women aren't getting pregnant at 20 anymore. They're getting pregnant in their early 30s. 46% of our users are above the age of 35. And they're still trying for their first child. And I went on a girl's trip in July. And all my friends are between the ages of 34 and 39. What were we talking about at dinner? Are we in perimenopause? Like the intersection of these two groups is so high. It's literally an extension. So we're really trying to navigate every phase of a woman's life and not really put a barrier to or a name to or a label to it because it's light. You're not, it's not like, oh, I finished having children. Now I'm going to go into perimenopause. There's so much fluidity between the different phases of our lives. We just want to help you navigate it. I think it's the best thing you could ever done because it literally just takes that product and helps the whole next step. I mean, you know, people look at it, oh, like reproductive years is everything for a woman. Well, yeah. that's not true. <laughs> it's you know, the shortest. If we, if we don't feel good while. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like if the number of years is spent trying to get pregnant. When we have a five-year-old. 
I'm sorry. I keep talking over you. We can redo the full part. <laughs> like, go ahead. <laughs> You're absolutely fine. No, when I think about you, like I think, okay, you know, you have a five-year-old, you still need to feel good. You know, you, I, I, I mean, I have women right now, you know, who have three or four kids, you know, and they're in their late forties and they're just like, Hey, I need help. Like I, I need to be present for my family. I don't feel good. And this is a huge component of it, right? Like, you know, if I'm not sleeping well, my hormones are all off. And I can't tell you how many conversations I have in so much frustration, like over all of that. So I 100% agree. And I think if we don't look at that part, it's not just reproductive years. Yes, there's reproductive yeah. years and they are important. We should know our fertility days. We should know when we're ovulating. Yes, all of those things. But it's even afterwards because now we have all these beautiful children. And then what do we want to do? We need to have a quality of life so we can take yeah. care of them. We can be present for them. And we can be running around for them. So I love what you're doing, that you're taking this product and saying, no, this is for the big picture of a woman's life. This isn't just for these reproductive years only. We we have to have more and we deserve better. And I think that's what you're offering up is, is that, to, to deserve better, to have some understanding. And then we can be in relationship with our physicians and our providers and everybody so that we can make a good plan and we can you know, figure it out. And if it changes next year or two years away, we know that we can come back and recheck it so that we can do that. And I think that's the beauty of it. And yes, you're going to still have lots of conversations with your friends about it because it never stops. Even at never my stops. age, it never stops. No, because we don't have answers. There's no trusted source, right? So you're just really limited to other people's experiences and what, like, what advice they have, which I think is so sad that is where women go for true advice there I, I mean it's just so broken i'm really hoping we can start to shed some light on the reality of what women's health is and put truth out there no i think it's really great so well amy i thank you so much for your time today and if there's anything else you want to share with everybody we have a 10 percent discount that i just want to share with everybody if you go online you get 10% off and you'll see that when you do that. And it's ova.life, right? Is that right? Yeah, it's O-O-V-A dot L-I-F-E. Okay. Okay, perfect. And so I know I mentioned this before, but your next step, you're going to kind of start keep growing in this perimenopause menopause space. Is that right? Yeah. Well, all phases of life. So we'll go forward and we're also okay, going to go good. back. How far back are you thinking you're going? I mean, there's a lot that we have in store. So I hope, I think 2024 is going to be a really exciting year for us. I'm super excited. <laughs> Thank you again, Amy, for being on our show. This is talking all things women's health. We, we've looked over, you know, so many women's data sets ourselves. And we're just so passionate that women need better and deserve better. And so I thank you so much for your work on all the women's behalf for hormonal health and for fertility. And I wish you well. And I'm sure there's going to be tons of questions. People always come back and then I'll probably ask you to come back on in six months and tell us all the fun things you're doing now. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Thank you so much, Sherry. It's nice to meet you and great conversation. It was great to meet you as well. Thank you so much.